Good morning. It's great to be sharing with you today, continuing our series on Growing Roots, the Sermon on the Mount. Today our passage is from Matthew 7 verses 13 to 23 and I've loved looking at this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. But before I dive into these uh, verses, um, I know I don't know whether many of you remember my son Andrew, uh, but last Saturday he got married and we had the most wonderful day and I thought I'd just show a quick photo of him with his new bride, Estera. We had an amazing time. Great. Well, back to our sermon. And just as a quick reminder of the Sermon on the Mount, this sermon is just after Jesus has started his ministry. He is fresh out of having spent 40 days in the desert, if that were possible, where he overcame all the temptation and stresses and pressures that the devil could throw at him. He bursts into ministry and this sermon is like his flagship teaching. All that his father has been speaking to him over the years. Jesus speaks this amazing sermon and Matthew does an amazing job in recording it for us. So, Jesus starts this sermon with what we call the Beatitudes, the character traits of a new humanity, all those who receive and are impacted by the gospel. This is the gospelized people, a people seeking to follow after Jesus. He calls them, he calls this people the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You know, the world needs to taste God's flavour and it's through you and I that we are supposed to bring it. The world needs to see the light of God through Christ in us and it's through you and I. Just think about that for a second. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. How amazing is that? In this sermon, Jesus speaks into what right living looks like for all who follow him. How gospelized people should live. This is God speaking to us, revealing how we should treat one another. We need his help, don't we? God promises his Holy Spirit to help us live like this. And we need that presence, that life of God within us flowing out. Jesus talks about acts of righteousness, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting, doing all these acts before God and not before men. He talks about making right life choices, not living selfishly, but, and, but storing up treasures in heaven, not judging others, but keeping our eyes fixed on what's really important, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. God knows what we need. And then to the golden rule that sums up all the Old Testament law and prophets. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. How challenging is this? If you want to receive mercy, then show mercy to others. If you don't want to be judged, then don't judge others. 
If you want to be treated with kindness, then be kind to others. And Phil shared on this last week. So here we come to our passage in Matthew 7 verses 13 to 23. After all this teaching, Jesus is drawing his sermon and teaching to a close. He has taught us what is important to the Father, what it means to be part of this gospelized people. But now he challenges his disciples and us to apply it to our lives. Matthew 7 verses 13 to 23. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit you will recognize them not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He sets before all those listening a choice of life or death. And as I read that passage, I was reminded of the words that Moses spoke to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 30, before his death, and um, he, he set out that choice. Let me read them to you. Verses 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. And Jesus sets before his listeners the same choice to choose life. He encourages us to make every effort, almost to strive to find that narrow gate, to find life, to be intentional, to decide to follow after Jesus and enter in through the narrow gate and keep going on this narrow road. Some translations translate this way as hard. It's not easy. Another translation describes it as restricted and that's in comparison with the broad, easy gate and wide road that leads to destruction. Now I don't know about you but Margie and I we love walking in the countryside in the lakes or the dales or in around Hampshire 
And I personally, I like to know where I'm going. So I'm the one that will take the map, the compass. I just don't like getting lost. And I don't like not knowing where I am. But invariably, on some point of the walk, I'll get the map out. I'll look for the signs to make sure that we're on the right path and going in the right direction. Many times, I have to say, um, we have to backtrack to find the right gate or path that we might have walked past inadvertently. You know, you have to be observant and diligent in walking in the right direction. And this is true for this narrow path. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones describes this narrow path like a turnstile, a narrow restricted gate that can only be entered one person at a time. To enter through this narrow gate, one needs to leave stuff behind. You know, we need to leave behind our will. When we receive Jesus, our prayer becomes not my will, but yours be done. But God is faithful. He doesn't leave us on our own. He promises to lead us and guide us, to bless us, to walk with us by his Holy Spirit. But we have to surrender our will to him. We have to leave behind our pride. We cannot approach God on the basis of anything that we have done. It's by his grace that we enter. God knows each one of us all our flaws, and yet he loves us. In fact, he couldn't love us any more than he does. We have to leave behind the crowd. Standing up for our faith in Christ is going against the crowd, and it's not easy, it's hard. It's definitely not taking the easy road. People watch your every word and deed, and believe me, I know, when I've said the wrong thing or made a mistake, they pounce on you. But that is who we are to follow on this narrow road. This week, we're starting to get over the loss to Italy in the Euros. Gosh, what a, what a match that was. And looking at the analogies uh, of football, for me, found the best picture of this easy, broad road and gate. Many years ago, I had the privilege of walking uh, down the, the road to a game at Wembley. Or I've also walked down the road to a game at Twickenham. And on match day, you'll know the feeling of the large crowds streaming towards the stadium. Traffic stops or roads are closed as the people converge. I can remember walking down from the train station in Wembley towards the stadium. The walkway is broad. It's wide open. The large crowds that fill it are only going in one way. In fact, it'd be difficult to try and go against the tide of people. And looking at this passage... I was reminded of that, that this, I got this same feeling when looking over this passage, the stream of people living life their own way, without Jesus, without the knowledge of God. Now compare this with the narrow restricted gate 
the turnstile, as it were, entered one at a time as individuals surrender to Jesus. Lastly, entering through this narrow gate, we have to leave behind our old self. There's no room for our old self to pass through this gate. Only the new life in Christ can pass through. This is a new start. Outwardly, we may look the same, but inwardly, we have been born again. For those who enter this narrow way, God promises a new life. And that is for you and I. And this is my testimony. I still remember the day I first committed my life to follow Jesus. I remember the place. I remember the circumstances. Walking and praying on my own in the evening in the light rain. I was pouring out my heart to God. And in that moment, I surrendered. I gave over my will my life to him. And in that moment, I, as I confessed my sins and surrendered, I felt the presence of God fill my heart. And in that moment, I knew his forgiveness. Something had happened. I was different. God had met with me. As we journey along this narrow, restricted way, I have to remember time and time again, that these things have been left behind. My will, my pride, my old life left behind. And my prayer is, Lord, will you help me and help all of us to remember that? So back to Matthew 7. Having encouraged his listeners to make every effort to enter the narrow gate, Jesus then gives his disciples a warning over false prophets. Listening to the wrong voices. The narrow way is not easy as we journey through life. It takes discernment, listening for God's leading, making right life choices. Jesus describes these false prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing. They're difficult to spot from outward appearance. Maybe Jesus had in mind the scribes and the Pharisees who had replaced the life with God with rules and regulations to be followed and who'd missed the very heart and relationship with God. Maybe um, Jesus had in mind those who the Apostle Paul would later call Judaizers who sought to add to the gospel by encouraging the Christians to also follow the laws of Moses. Either way, Jesus cautions us to be careful who and what we listen to, to test these people by looking at the fruit of their lives. By their fruit you shall know them. The thing is that we all know what a good tree looks like. An apple tree brimming with fruit, a vine covered in grapes. The Bible even helps us see what fruit looks like. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. In Galatians 5.22, these are attitudes of the heart that then come out in actions of kindness, of love. 
we can see what that fruit looks like. But as for a bad tree, usually a bad tree bears no fruit at all. But here Jesus describes how false prophets are like trees that bear bad fruit, fruit that bears no resemblance to the Galatians 5.22 fruit of the Spirit. So Jesus is concerned about who and what we listen to. Finally, as Jesus draws his sermon to a close in verse 21 to 23, he gives us the ultimate caution. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus quotes from one of the Psalms, Psalm 6, verse 8. On that day refers to the day of judgment where we will all stand before him. And Jesus is telling us on that day, he will be the judge. On that day, what matters will be our relationship with him that counts. Have we listened for his voice? Have we been obedient as he has led? Knowing Jesus is the key. We cannot approach the throne on the basis of our achievements, no matter how great they appear to be. Is it possible that we can fool ourselves that our actions we believe are serving God when actually they're not? The scribes and Pharisees show us that this is the case. Christians whose actions are not loving are judgmental or harsh. God forgive us when we have not represented you well. We enter the narrow gate by opening the door of our hearts to Jesus and allowing him into our lives and we continue on the narrow way on this basis, placing him on the throne of our hearts. He is our king. The narrow way involves asking him, seeking him, knocking on heaven's door, hungering and thirsting in humility after his ways. This is a relationship as he leads us and speaks to our hearts. So where are these three stories leading? Verse 24 starts with a therefore. And you know the ditty, what is a therefore, therefore? And this final parable that Andy will speak on next week is about the wise and foolish builders. The foolish builder is the one who hears the words of Jesus, hears the Sermon on the Mount, but does not apply it to their life. The wise builder, on the other hand, listens to the words of Jesus and intentionally makes them the foundation of their life. They are those who change the way they live and seek to live by the words of Jesus, submitting their will and actions to his. This sermon of Jesus is not just to be admired 
and appreciated as wonderful as it is. As I have studied this sermon, many commentators have said that this sermon is probably the most well-known of all of Jesus' teaching, but is the least understood and definitely the least obeyed. Jesus wants us to put his words into practice, making right choices, obeying him. It's allowing Jesus to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. His words permeate our lives and change us from the inside out. As we walk with him, listening to him, we are never too old to change. So today I would like to encourage you to stop and consider your ways. Read these chapters in Matthew again. Take some time out. God has inspired this teaching series in Matthew at the Hub for a reason. Ask yourself, Lord, what are you saying to me? And what do I need to do about it? Lord, how do I need to change? Holy Spirit, will you help me? For me, these verses challenge me on so many different levels. When was the last time that I fasted? How can I be more generous to those in need? And at a deeper level, Lord, help me to reflect these beatitudes, these character traits. Help me change the attitudes of my heart. Lord, make them real in my life. Maybe you look at the Beatitudes, the character of those impacted by the good news of Jesus, and you don't see yourself reflected in all these character traits. Or you might be timid, you might hide your faith from those around you at work. Ask yourself, how can I be salt and light to the world around me? Maybe you have a wrong attitude or judgment or you're holding something in your heart against a brother that these verses speak into. Please just stop and spend time praying and seeking God. Maybe it's a while since you felt the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Take time to seek God. Let you and I be found in these verses. In closing, I'd like to read the words Moses exhorted the people of Israel. Now choose life, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Hold fast to him. Just like Mary did outside the tomb after the resurrection. She just didn't want to let go. Hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And if you don't know Jesus, then can I ask you to to contact us or pray a prayer inviting him in. There hasn't been a single day when I've ever looked back and regretted that decision. Thank you.